Hi, and welcome to Nasio Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Alex Whitaker in Washington, D.C. Today we're talking with Montana State CIO Kevin Gilbertson. Kevin is co-chair of our new Generative AI Working Group, and today we're talking with him all about this new technology that's on everyone's mind. Kevin, welcome to Nasio Voices, and thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. So, Kevin, before we dive into generative AI, tell us briefly about your professional background and how you ended up as state CIO in Montana. Yeah, sounds great. Um, this is my first government job ever. I've been in private sector my entire career, uh, and I've got a little bit of an eclectic background. You know, I, I actually started as a technical writer, became a computer programmer, did some time in sales and a lot of you know uh, professional services type of work. Uh, I had worked with the governor before at a pre- previous company. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was actually recommended by a good friend who also worked at the, the company um, when they were brainstorming for the role. So it all came together and it's been great ever since. Yeah, awesome. I think I don't think we've ever interviewed a CIO who has said, oh, this is my straight linear path into becoming a CIO. <laughs> Everybody always has a really interesting background, so thank you. Yeah. So as we mentioned in our introduction, you are co-chair of NASIO's new Generative AI Working Group. Talk to us about your understanding of Generative AI, and how would you explain it to someone who's not familiar with the concept? Yeah, so I'm going to do this in a couple of, I, you know, I anticipated this would be coming, but So I plugged it into a generative AI tool to see what they would say that I should say (laughs) about this. So what they tell me to say is, uh, and I won't say which one, is that represents a major evolution in AI capabilities. It uses machine learning to create realistic new content like images, text, or videos from small prompts. has a tremendous potential business applications and could transform how states operate. And it can help with contact creation. And then it does go into some risks and things like that, which is not a bad explanation, but I think, you know, for a lot of folks, um, this is a little confusing. And so, you know, when I have been talking to folks that don't know it, I, I you know, assure them we're, we're not entering into terminary territory here. These things cannot think. All they are is, is prediction machines that have been fed a whole lot of data uh, so they can predict which pixel, which word to put in there uh, that is similar to the context of the, you know, the question or prompt being asked. And so really that's all it is in the end. But at the same time, you know, uh, once again, like the Gen AI version, it is great for image text videos and, and getting work done. Amy, I think we need to start having AI write some of our questions for the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. You know, it is funny. I did ask ChatGPT before this interview, what questions should I ask a CIO about generative AI? So one of these questions may have come from ChatGPT, actually. I just don't remember which uh, one. So. All right. Nice. <laughs> Kevin, uh, as, a, as a sort of follow on to that, my grandmother is 101. How would you describe it to her? Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure. uh, Essentially, a a computer tool that uh, creative, you know, I'll have to think about that. Okay, (laughs) we'll come back to that. (laughs) Let me back up on that. (laughs) Okay, so tell us about how you are talking about generative AI to your team and how are you encouraging them to use it? And then on the flip side, how are you cautioning them of any potential risks? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I am encouraging wherever I can and wherever it makes sense. Um, obviously, there's a lot to be cautious about. And so within my enterprise architecture group, 
we have put together a AI document to provide guidance to the, the different agencies. And so that's still in draft form, which we're putting out. Uh, but in general, for example, I asked my comms person if she was using uh, any generative AI for helping to generate the communications that are coming out of the office. And I think that she was worried that I was going to be upset if she did. And I basically said, no, you're crazy if you don't, you know, type of a thing. But, you know, I'm cautioning folks to say, you know, only use it for topics that you're already familiar with or if not a complete expert on, because, you know, one of my very first uses, I asked it to provide an answer to a question that I had. And then I said, uh, well, give me a list of references in APA format for uh, where you got this information that I could look into that would support, you know, what you said. And so it gave me a beautiful list of references. And then I went and looked for all of them and I couldn't find them. So I assumed it was my fault. And this was very early when I started using it. So I went back and said, are these real references? And ChatGPT responded to me saying, no, I just made them up to fit the context of the answer that I gave you. And then I was able to say, well, provide me some real existing references that would, you know, do the same thing. And it was able to do that. But, you know, that was probably my second use of the the tool ever. And so obviously it became a caution for me that I pass on to others. So, you know, only do it if you're familiar with it or an expert, because it is a great way to get a head start on something. But be cautious that you're only going to be able to use maybe 60 you know, percent of it. Uh, you're going to have to do some rewrites and make sure that it's in line with what you're looking for. And then be prepared to do some deep dive uh, research into what you're getting back if you're not. And so, you know, from that perspective, um, it will still end up saving you time, but you have to be skeptical every time you use it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I was talking to my cousin who has a PhD in, um, in basically computer science, but he specializes in artificial intelligence. And he was telling me that, you know, he was playing around the chat GPT, asking some questions, and it came up with a paper. Then he's like, why have I not heard of this, you know, academic paper? I, like, I know the people that wrote it. Um, you know, this sounds like something I'd really be interested in. And of course, it was fake. So, yeah. you know, it's a good example. It's kind of good for brainstorming, but you do need to know, you need to be able to recognize the false yeah. Outcomes. Well, once again, yeah. it's it's just predicting which word should come, you know, next, and mm-hmm. if it found those names in other publications that match, and and this is something similar, you know, that's what it's going to give you. It's not really out there to you know tell you truth or lies. It's just right. that's all it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious how, so that's kind of like how you're talking to your team about it. How are you talking with the agencies that your IT department serves about using it? So at this point, you know, we are asking them to be cautious and I'm really working with folks that are raising their hands to be early adopters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a few of those that we're looking to do some POCs on. Um, we don't have a lot of use uh, in the state yet, uh, not like some other states that have, have gone out and have already started some projects with it. So we're still kind of in the investigation stage. You know, we're looking at different things like if you're planning a trip to Montana, when are you coming in? Where are you going? And, uh, you know, then maybe generate a list of events and sites that you may want to see in a potential trip itinerary and hotels you might want to stay at, you know, things like that. Is that, so is something like that possible? You know, we're looking into that, you know, could it be used for uh, responses to uh, FOIA requests to be able to ease 
the searches for that information um, and be able to do it in more of a, a normal language format for the folks that are are uh, working on that process. So lots of different use cases, you know, in the contact center as well. But like I said, we're all just trying to do some POCs and then we'll step back uh, and, and evaluate from there. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I have a two-part question for you. And we've touched on this a little bit. And as you're talking about um, things that you're sort of talking with agencies about. But I'm wondering if you can tell me, um, first, what is the biggest challenge facing state IT that generative IT can assist with? And then, you know, kind of related to that, so w- what are you sort of most excited about looking down the road? What, what, are, what are some of the things you think it can really do and, and some of the positives that it can bring to state government? Yeah, no, that's great. The biggest challenge, I would say, is the workforce shortages that we've been having. You know, we're losing folks to the private sector. You know, we've been having high vacancies. Um, and, and the reality is, is that, you know, that's not going to be something that goes away. Yes, there will be different states and different economies. But at the same time, I don't ever see a situation where we have too many people and too much money to do the job that we need to do. And so I really want to be able to, to capitalize this to, you know, be able to get by with less. And what I tell folks, my goal is, is that if I could save everybody one minute, 30 times a day, you know, over the over the thousands of employees that we have, that would be a game changer for our ability to to provide a better experience for the citizen. And in terms of, oh, most excited about. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that it goes right in line with that. You know, it's the ability to pick up the pace of what we're doing to move a little bit quicker. Um, I do use Gen AI to some extent every single day to, you know, basically just get an idea. Uh, I don't, it's great to not have to look at the blank page. And then, you know, of course, once we start to be able to compile all the mass data that we have in the States, uh, to be able to start using this technology to mine that, to, to get, uh, develop new systems, develop better processes for working with the citizens and providing a better experience. And is I, I think there's a lot exciting to come there that we're going to get more productive and we're going to have, you know, better ways to do it. Yeah, that, that brings up a good point. So, you know, when we start talking about using it to mine state data and stuff, of course, there's a lot of personally identifiable information and sensitive data. And so, you know, along those lines, obviously, we are going to be looking for generative AI tools that protect that data from going out into the world. So, you know, what do you, what do you think is the biggest threat to state government from generative AI? Oh, there's, there's a number of threats that we need to be, you know, thinking of. Um, And number one would be simply not taking advantage of it at all. You know, we can't ignore it. And so if we were to do that, that would be, I think, just as bad as, you know, taking cautious approach to getting here. Mm -hmm. Um, As you mentioned you know, sensitive data getting out there um, inadvertently by uh, an employee, if that was used in a training model or something like that, that would not be good. You know, I think of uh, the possibility to spread misinformation, fraud, you know, when when you take uh, seconds to listen to someone's voice and then you can basically sound like them if you want to, you know, the Signs that we use to detect phishing in our security training that we do include things like misspellings and, you know, other things to look for that are going to get, you know, harder and harder to spot. And so, and then, of course, you've got, you know, the legal and ethical risks associated with it. You know, right now we're seeing lawsuits against these companies for uh, copyrighted uh, information and IP and, you know, what 
of that may be passed on to consumers of it. And and so, you know, those are certainly things that we need to look into. So sorry, not not a single threat, but there's definitely a lot that needs to be taken into consideration. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, we were um, just together for the CIO confidential meeting. And I know you've been in a lot of conversations with other state CIOs around this topic. They were confidential, of course, so not to name any names. But do you think, <laughs> do you think the state CIO community has similar thoughts and views on generative AI? And if so, kind of like, what do you think they are? Or do you think it's been a little more divisive or people coming at it from different points of view? Well, I would say there's folks coming at different points of view, but I don't know that I'd characterize that as divisive. I would say it's just a matter of, you know, the speed at which we want to approach things, the order in terms of, of what we want to do in terms of the guidance before people start using versus after and all of that. I think there is a lot of optimism out there, though, in terms of, of what can be done. Now, that said, you know, when we get together, you know, we talk about, you know, what are those threats? What are the concerns? So we've talked about things like safe usage, you know, uh, making sure employees know not to enter, you know, PII or HIPAA data or something like that in there. Mm-hmm. What do we need to have in our contracts for our vendors? Because our vendors are racing to get generative AI into their systems. Um, and, you know, this is not a choice for them. I've talked to several different vendors that are, you know, they're on this race to find as many use cases as they can can get to use, you know, use this. And, of course, they want it to be safe. Yeah. Um, you know, workforce concerns. What is this going to do? You know, people are going to be worried about being replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and or, you know, are we going to run into situations of burnout uh, where we our expectations of what somebody can do rise so much because we anticipate that they're using this tool. And so the pace of work will will rise beyond, you know, what it probably should. And then you've got the, you know, content errors, hallucinations, you know, bias, um, and then, you know, just misuse in general. So, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about that in terms of, you know, how do we prevent, you know, these concerns, enable safe usage, uh, you know, those types of things I think are, are uh, generally top of mind at this point. But I do think that we're all looking for opportunities to take advantage. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think kind of as we look for these opportunities, it, it seems like the use of AI is really starting to be kind of become ingrained in state policy. So I think I know the answer to this next question, but I really want to hear it from you, though. And that is, do, do we think that generative AI is a fad or is it really a turning point in how we use technology? Yeah, right now, I th- I think it's a turning point without you know question. You know, we certainly talked about the ethical concerns that need to be taken into consideration. Uh, so a lot needs to be done. But um, a lot of the large uh, organizations that are providing AI tools are coming together to to provide more ethical guidelines to try and figure out ways for safe usage and things like that. So I think that there is some responsibility being taken by you know those those vendors. So I do think that this will be easier and easier to to use and justify in terms of the use but i really don't see this you know going away because there's so much opportunity here you know and like i said there's lots of different use cases in the state but at the end it will allow the citizen to interact with us in a much better way yeah awesome thank you i mean it it certainly does not seem like a genie that we can put back in the bottle so we're (laughs) glad that uh, you and your colleagues are kind of leading the way to figure out how to use it appropriately so All right. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. We really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on this topic, but we can't let you go just yet because on Nasio Voices, we recognize that we are all more than just our work. So we'd like to ask you three fun questions about your life outside of work and a segment that we call 
the lightning round. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Right. Okay, so speaking of robots and helping us with our tasks, if you had a robot at home, what's the one task you would like them to handle for you? Well, if the outdoor counts, I'd definitely like them to take care of my landscaping for me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That would be sure. the big thing. But but you could throw in a lot of things, you know, laundry, <laughs> dishes. Uh, I already have one that does the floor, so I'm okay. Oh, that. Yeah, me but. too. <laughs> laundry was going to be mine. I've got two kids. I feel like I'm always doing laundry. So. Uh, mine yeah. would be cooking, but that's uh, a pretty advanced robot. <laughs> yeah. So what career did you hope to have when you were a kid? I actually wanted to be an astronaut and, you know, I was a big science fiction reader since probably about the third grade and, and just thought I wanted to, to go to space and then, you know, things got in the way of being able to pursue that dream. But so I never imagined getting where I am here, but I'm, you know, also very happy that I did. Got it. All right. Well, that ties in perfectly to my last question. So I'm sure you must have an answer. Star Wars or Star Trek? <laughs> Well, I think I'm going to ostracize someone no matter which direction yeah. that I go. <laughs> so I would have to say Star Trek. Uh, I'm more nice. of a fan. I've been, been watching nice. that for a long time. And probably some of the older ones. I haven't kept up lately because there's there's too much to keep up on. I, yeah. Just you got to the new ones are great. I got to say all the, the no. new Picard and everything. So check it out. Oh, yeah. I definitely will. I was raised on a lot of Next Generation, I must say. So. Yeah. That's good. Uh, <laughs> although my parents also like Star Wars. So, I don't know. I guess I can speak with languages. And uh, I married a Star Wars person. So. <laughs> you can speak Wookiee and Klingon. Yeah. Uh, that was so oh, nerdy. Can you edit that out, please? This is the <laughs> nerdiest podcast we've ever done so far. It really is. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today and also for helping out with this new generative AI working group. I know that you're super busy, but we do appreciate your time for NASIO. Thank you. And I look forward to continuing and, and hoping to get a lot of participation from the, the community in the work group that we've got put together. I think we can do some, some good work together. Yeah, I think so too. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to NASIO Voices. NASIO Voices is a production of the National Association of State Chief Information Officers for NASIO. If you liked this episode, please consider reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. It helps listeners like you find us. We'll be back in two weeks with more great state IT content. 